Okay, girls. I was waiting for the cute worship band to come back up, but it's just me, just me. So I'd like to sing a solo really quickly, if you don't mind. No, that would make you cry. Oh, I loved it when Kathy was saying how they would ask her if she sang as the pastor's wife. Oh, my husband's a singer, and they were like, well, what do you do? And I was like, nothing, nothing, okay? That's it, that's it. I can't sing, we can never do a duet. All right, we'll jump in. How good was that lunch? That was so delicious, good grief. Okay, I wanna just say really quickly, um, I, we are selling books out there at the table, and I was telling some women at the, at, when I was sitting with them at lunch, which sparked me to say something about the book, is they were like, why did you write that book? What is it? And I was like, I know, when you walk up, you think, why would I want to buy that? That feels like a root canal. It's like, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to know. I don't know if I, I don't even understand what this is. Let me just say in the long and short of it, this is a book that is pretty lighthearted. You can read it in about 30 minutes. But it's a great tool on what forgiveness really is and what it is not. And I will tell you, aside from salvation, this, has, this is what God has used to set me free and to walk in close fellowship with him. And unforgiveness can creep into our little hearts so quickly and you can walk around thinking you're seeing clearly and you got clogged, foggy glasses on because there's some unforgiveness. So I just want to encourage you, if you are interested in that, you can pick it up out there. And we also have a retreat coming up in March and I want to see all of you on it. It's March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So you can find any information about us on our website, yesministries.net. All right, are y'all ready? Let me pray for us and then we're going to jump in as we close out our time together. Lord, you have been so gracious to us. You have been so faithful to appear, to be here in our midst, Lord. Your presence has been palpable. Lord, you're so faithful. You do exactly what you tell us you're going to do. You say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Go and I will be with you. And you have been with us. So we just ask in this last bit of time together, Lord, would you just continue to speak to us? Lord, would you continue to remind us how faithful you are, how worthy you are of our trust. And Lord, if there's anything that you need to say to us about what our next steps might be leaving, Lord, we give you permission. Lord, convict us, challenge us, encourage us, comfort us. Whatever we need, Lord, you know it. Just give it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are on the last leg of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, fatty. We're about to end up with Fatty here. Um, so we talked about just a few minutes ago, about an hour or so ago, about um, what does simple clarity look like? Simple clarity comes from his presence, just being in his presence. And so I just hope that you feel more encouraged as you leave. One, not to feel the pressure to have it all together, but the encouragement and maybe even the challenge to gather some women around you to pray for you and for you to pray for them. The power of prayer, James says, the effective prayer of the righteous affects much, or the, the um, fervent prayer of the righteous affects much. And what that means is it doesn't say the fervent prayer of the one who never gets it wrong and that's perfect. The righteous, we are righteous because he's made us righteous. So that means all of us. And so endure in prayer and get women around you to pray for you and to pray with you and you pray for women. It matters. That is your battlefield. That is where you do battle is on your knees. I'm telling you, it is the truth for your kids, for your health, for your relationships, for your life. And so get people around you. And in that, it says, when two or three are gathered, I am among you. You experience the presence of the Lord in a sweet way 
that is special and, and perhaps different than when you just experience his presence intimately one-on-one. We've got to have both. And so I want to continue the story, and we're going to see where this ends up. And so again, we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 20. But what I want to remind you is where we left off in verse 19 was they were worshiping the Lord. But as you remember, Jehaziel said this to them when they gathered up together and they began to worship. And it says that the Lord, the spirit of the Lord came on them. And this is what he said. Verse 17, I just want to remind us. It says, you will not have to fight this battle, but take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance. It doesn't say stand firm and deliver. It says stand firm and see. Stand firm and watch God deliver you. Stand firm and watch the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Sometimes when I don't know what to do, I have to remind myself and think, what is the last thing he told me to do? What's the last thing he told me to do? The last thing he told them to do is go out tomorrow. You're going to face them tomorrow. So where we pick up in verse 20 is it's tomorrow. It's the next day. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes the next day I forget or I begin to second guess what I heard the day before. There's a quote I heard that says, do not, um, it says, never doubt in the darkness what God showed you in the light. And so remind yourselves of that even before we leave here today. Tomorrow, maybe God has really spoken to you this weekend. Maybe he has said something that you desperately needed. Maybe he gave you a drink of water that just quenched your parched soul. Maybe you got some direction and clarity that you desperately needed. I promise you, as women that follow Jesus, we stand opposed. There is an enemy that seeks to devour us. And the way he does it is different with me and different with you because he knows our weak spots. And so he'll whisper into your ear a very familiar voice that sounds like your own. And he'll say, you're not all that. He doesn't really love you. He didn't really forgive you. He really is frustrated with you. Well, he's going to come through for her, but he might not come through for you. There are so many different ways the enemy will try and deceive us. And so just be prepared for that. Don't be shocked by that. But be resolved, be resolved to stand in the truth that God is for you, God is with you, and whatever he is speaking to you this weekend, he meant it and he believes and you can believe it tomorrow. So it's the next morning. God has said to them, in the morning, you're going to get up and you're going to go out and you're going to face this, but you're not going to have to deliver yourself. I'm going to deliver you. Stand firm. And watch the deliverance of the Lord. So verse 20, it says, So early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. And it says, As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith, believe, trust in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Hold up just a second. Here's what's happening. They have done what God has told them to do. They woke up the next morning and they remembered, okay, we've got to go face this battle. And so they've rallied together again. And I bet you, now this is me proposing onto scripture, so take this with a grain of salt. But I just wonder, is as they're gathered up together, if Jehoshaphat is looking into their eyes and he's seeing fear again. And he's going, oh, we're all shaking again. Oh gosh, did he really say that? 
Do you remember in Genesis 2 and 3 when the Lord put Adam and Eve in the, ar- in the garden? He said, you can have the lay of the land. It's yours, baby. But he said, that middle tree, don't eat of it. Don't eat of it. And what did the enemy say? enemy say? He said, did God really? Did he really say that was the jugular, just that seed of doubt? Did he really say it? And I wonder if Jehoshaphat is looking at them and maybe he just knows in his own heart that his knees are shaking a little bit. But what he does, before they make a move to do anything, take their first step of obedience, this is what he says. He says, wait a second. Listen, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith. That word translated is believe. Believe, 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 believe. What does he mean when he says believe? He does not mean have a good intellectual consent. Don't just have a belief system that goes, yeah, I know Jesus died for me and I'm a Christian. I'm going to check that on any form I have to fill out when they ask about my religion. I'm not Buddhist. I'm not Islamic. So I'm Christian. Yes. Okay. I believe. No, 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 no. That's not what belief means. Belief is an act of my life depends on this. My life depends on it. He's saying believe, trust in, have faith. Have faith, he says, in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. What he's saying there is have faith in his prophets in what you've been told. Remember the track record, girls. Remember what God has done. Remember how faithful he's been to you. And remember how faithful he's been to your friends and your family. You've seen God work on others' behalf as well. Take that. Let that uphold your faith. That's why we gather together, and that's why we share what God is doing, because it builds our faith. And so you can bet when you're in a crisis and you've resolved to seek the Lord and you've rallied your girls around you, your community around you, and you've prayed and you've fasted and you've received this presence of the Lord and you've gotten some clarity that he's with you, that he's for you, and then he's given you a step to take, you can bet that it's going to be opposed and that you're going to have some opposition. And in that moment, When you're deciding, am I actually going to do what he's asked me to do? Am I really going to believe this to the point that I'm going to put myself and others at risk? You better believe that you need to take a moment and go, hold up. Hang on. Let me get steady again. Who am I following? How trustworthy is he? And yes, remind yourself, he did tell me this. Put a stake in the ground. There are times in my life when God has spoken so clearly to me. And I've had to write it down. Write it down. I am in, I live in Friendswood, like I said earlier. And I, when I grew up, I was not this academic girl. I mean, I got through, um, that was about it. I went to Texas A&M. And there were times where I was like, 2-0 and go, baby. Let's just get on out of here. Come on. I did a little bit better than that. But, but I would, you would not look at me and those that know me and think the first thing that you would think of is academic. That's just not who I am. But at one season about a couple years ago, I was praying and my kids are in public school and I knew so clearly the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you on the school board. And I was like, well, that's just the craziest thing ever, which typically is God because it's not my natural thought. I never would have thought that. And I thought, what in the world? And so I sat on that and I marinated in it and I got some wise counsel and long story short, I'm on the school board. And I got on the, and I've been on two years now. But it's so interesting because within the first uh, week or so, 
that were on the school board. Our superintendent who had been there for 15 years was retiring, and so it was time to start uh, interviewing new superintendents. And so I walk into this, and so that's my first job as a school board member is to hire the next superintendent. No pressure there. So as we do that, uh, the deputy superintendent is the one that, that we interviewed. We interviewed lots of people. He ended up being the one that we chose, got the job. He's fantastic. And so the night of his interview, I literally, so it's, I was sworn in. It was, it, I'd been there maybe a month. And we interviewed him, and then we gathered up our board, and we started to discuss it, and we recognized this is who, this is the guy. This is who we want. And we knew that, this, that he, was, he was sweating it. He, he wanted it, the job so badly. So we called him back. It was like 1030 at night that the interview ended. And he went home, and I'm sure he was taking a deep breath. And we called him and said, could you come back up here? We, want to, we have a couple more things we want to share. That poor guy was sweating, driving up there. He walks in, and we said, we just want you to know that you're our final candidate. And he just, it was just the most precious thing. And so as that meeting closed, this, actually, this story actually has a point. As that meeting closed, we're sitting there and I just felt led because the whole time I'm like, why am I on this board? I'm not very smart. I don't have 30 years of education background as a teacher. I mean, what am I bringing? We have brilliant people on this board. And I was sitting there and in that moment, the Lord said, I want you to pray for him. And I was like, And so I was like, okay, here we go. Is This is the moment. Am I going to step forward in obedience or am I going to shrink back in fear? And in that moment, I had to remember, no, God, you called me here. You called me here. I don't know why you called me here, but this must be one of the reasons why you called me here. And so we were about to end the meeting, and I said, well, I think we should pray. And they looked at me like, oh, my gosh. And they were like, well, okay, all right, what do we do? And I was like, okay. Here's what we do. And these are God-fearing people, but this is a public school. I mean, it's like, what ah, are we going to, I mean, you know, it wasn't a public meeting, so that was okay. And so I said, well, here's what we do. We're going to put Thad, who's our superintendent, we're going to put him in the middle, and we're going to all gather around him, and we're going to lay a hand on him. Now, don't get freaked out. We're not going to get weird, but we're just going to lay a hand on his shoulder or something, and we're going to pray for him. And we did that. And it was very simple. It was very simple. And I left, and as soon as I left, I thought, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And the next day, my sister is in the, the healthcare industry, and one of the men on our board is a doctor, and she said, Dr. Robinson wants your phone number. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, no. And I was like, okay, okay, give it to him. And he texted me. I didn't really know him yet. We were new board members together, and he said, I've been on the board for nine years, and nothing that profound has ever happened in my life. And I realized in that moment, and I didn't, I mean, God was sweet to give me that affirmation because oftentimes we'll take steps of obedience and we don't get the affirmation. It'll go south sometimes. But he gave me that affirmation and I thought, okay, Lord, if that's why I'm here to pray, because it was in the middle of praying that God even spoke to me to be on the board, then I'll do it. But I had to remind myself, why am I here? I'm not here because of my own credentials. I'm not here because of anything I bring to the table. I'm here because God's placed me here. And the same is true with Jehoshaphat. And the same is true with his people. And they have a step that they've been asked to take. And in that moment, they have to stop and go, wait a second. Let's gird ourselves up. And here's what I love is they didn't gird themselves up by going, okay, do you have the rifle and do you have the shotgun? And okay, who's got all the ammo? Are we prepared enough? That's not what they asked. He said, no, wait, hold up. Let's remember who we're following. 
Who is leading this army out? It's Jehovah. It is Yahweh. It is God, our Savior. And that's who we're following. He's worthy of our trust. He's told us to do this. He's capable to deliver us. We're following him. So let's believe him. Let's trust him. And let's move forward. We have to do the same thing. I don't know what the next step for you will be, but it will probably be a a step that feels unlikely or certainly feels unnatural to you. It may even feel scary. Some of you have doctor's visits coming up and those feel scary and you'd rather just stay in bed. And God is saying, no, 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 you go. We're going to face this. We're going to face it. We're going to face it together. And so that's what Jehoshaphat said. Listen, believe, trust in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith and you will be successful. There's a passage in Hebrews that I love. It says, now faith means putting our full confidence in the things we hope for. It means being certain of the things that we cannot see. And here's where we get off kilter as Christians. This is where we take this verse out of context. It says it means faith means putting our full confidence in the things we hope for. Now, oftentimes I interpret that to mean I get to define the things I hope for, which I do at times, but I'm not putting confidence in the fact that Ben is going to make the basketball team. Whatever that, who cares? I don't know if he does or not, whatever. But do you you see what I'm saying? The the things that we want to come true in our life, which are good things to pray for. But my faith and confidence is not placed in outcomes. It's not placed in the things that we hope for. The things that I hope for that I can drop anchor on are the promises of God. So my faith rests in the things that I hope for are what God has already said to me. And those things are, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am sovereign, meaning I'm in control. I am good. I love you. What are the promises of God? You have to know the word of God. So do I. We have to know it. It's the character of God. Those are the things I hope for because here's the thing, outcomes are tricky and it can look like it's going to go one way and then all of a sudden it takes a left turn and it's going south and it's not what we wanted and it's not what we'd hoped for. And if I place my hope in the fact that it was going up and to the right, I'm going to be devastated. I'm going to be despairing. And so my faith My confidence is in God himself. It is in the character of God. What have you promised me? You have promised salvation to me. You will never leave me and you will deliver me home safely. What is home? Home is heaven. In this world, he's promised me, I will have suffering. I will have trials, but take heart. Anything that you have to face, I will deliver you through it. Even if it takes your physical life. I have a precious, beautiful friend, 34 years old, that died of stage four lung cancer just two months ago. And we asked God for healing from the day she was diagnosed. And she led the charge. She said, I believe Jesus can heal me, but even if he doesn't, he is good. He is good. He is good. And my faith has not derailed because my faith is in God and his sovereignty and his goodness. But I've watched others who are really struggling because they believed that she would be healed on earth. And they are struggling. They are str- and that's an honest struggle. I totally get that. But my confidence is not in the outcome. My confidence is in the character of God. The character of God. 
So, verse 21, it says, After Jehoshaphat had consulted the people, so after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. This morning when I got here, I came in and I got mic'd up and I gathered around that precious team of worshipers that were leading us. And I said, when Jehoshaphat was heading out to battle, he put the worship band in front. You're welcome. But he put the worship band in front. Why? Because he knew that they needed to lift their faith. They needed to bolster up their faith and their belief. And nothing does that like worship. Nothing does that like worship. There are times that I can be in my darkest seasons and the thing that will pull me out is when I shift my mind through worship. There's a passage in scripture and I can't remember the address, but it says, bring to the Lord a sacrifice of praise. And sometimes our worship is a sacrifice. Sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. But it puts me in the presence of the Lord The Spirit of the Lord inhabits the praise of His people. And so I can put on worship music or just thank Him, however it is you worship. Some of us just get get out and take a run or or walk, and you get out outside in nature, and it just connects you with the Spirit of God again. And it gets you to a place of worship. Whatever it looks like for you. Sometimes I can just get my best tight-knit group of girlfriends and go have lunch and just be in their fellowship, and that's an act of worship. What is it that gets you into the presence of God again? What is it that gets you to a place of worship? Jehoshaphat knew his people would need that. And so he put the worshipers in front. And he began to thank God for his deliverance. Thank God for his deliverance. The deliverance hadn't tangibly happened yet, but God had promised it. And so they were banking on that. And they just praised him and thanked him ahead of time. I'll do that over my children. I'll thank them. It just shifts my focus from worry to praise. Lord, thank you that you've knit them together. Thank you that you've got plans for them that far exceed mine. Thank you that you love them. Thank you that you see them. Thank you that you're going to use every hardship in their life for good. Thank him. Praise him. It bolsters my faith. It's the thing that strengthens me. And so I can face what's coming. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. That's where his confidence, we're talking about simple confidence. His confidence didn't come in his artillery. It didn't come in his wisdom as a leader. It didn't come in the amount of people that were surrounding him to make him feel better. His confidence was one thing, and it was God himself. And y'all, listen, that never runs dry. Never, ever runs dry. You do not have what it takes. There's a sweet friend of mine um, that was facing a, she, she's just in a hard season right now. And I was sitting in her office talking to her the other day and she was kind of recounting, she's just in the middle of a storm and she just said, it's okay though, I got it. And I was like, no, you don't girl, you do not got it, but God has you, God's got it. You don't have it, I don't have it, but God has it. He's got you, he's got you. So verse 22 says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. 
So as they began to sing and praise, as they began, there's something that happens when the Spirit of the Lord is welcomed in. The Lord set ambushes against them, and they, those who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites, Moabites excuse me, rose up against the men from Mount Sirto, to, from Mount Sirto to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So what did God do? These three armies, he turned them against one another and they ended up annihilating each other. Here's the thing about the Lord. He's anything but predictable. He's anything but predictable. I'm sure Jehoshaphat thought, okay, we're going to start out. He's going to deliver us. And somehow he's going to make this one individual wimpy little army beat three. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And he's like, you're not even going to lift a finger. But you get to watch me uh, strike out your enemy right before your very eyes. Walk in with the Lord. If it's anything, it's an adventure, girls. I'm telling you. And he is so unpredictable. Verse 24, it says, When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and they looked toward the vast army, they only saw dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. Circle that. More than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka where they praised the Lord. That is why it's called the Valley of Baraka to this day, where they praised the Lord. This is what I love about God. You may be in a battle and he may be ushering you through it to deliver you through it. But when you get to the other side, there's more for you than just survival. There is more for you than just survival. You will come out on the other end and you may be bruised up a little bit. It's not that it's going to be totally a piece of cake. It wasn't a cakewalk for them. But you're going to come out on the other side, not only victorious, but you're going to have more deposited in you than you could have ever thought, hoped, dreamed, or imagined. Or imagined. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is in wor at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. What is the highest dream you have? What is the thing you think, if God could deliver me from this, that alone would just be amazing. It's like the Lord looks at you today and says, baby, you can't even dream enough. You just want to come out of this thing surviving. You're going to do more than survive. You're going to thrive. You will not be the same woman you were when you walked through it. On the front end versus the back end, you're going to be a totally different person and so much for the better. Your relationships will be different. The depth of your soul, the wisdom that will pour out of you, the compassion that you have on others, the intimate connection you have with the Lord. And you'll think, I, I don't want to go back, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Every season I've walked through that has been dark and difficult, and there's been a lot. Every single one, God has been faithful every single time. I don't want to go back and repeat any of them, but I wouldn't trade one of them. Because of all that he's done in and through me, more than you can imagine, God is faithful Verse 27, it says, Then he led, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully. Joyfully. God wants your joy to return, ladies. 
to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. And they entered Jerusalem and they went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. And when they, when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Here's the thing. The Lord had given them cause to rejoice. And here's what I love is they didn't forget to rejoice. Oftentimes we come through and we're on the other end and we're like, whoo, hooray. And then we're on to the next worry. When God delivers you, when God meets you where you are, don't forget to thank him. Celebrate it. Thank him. That is a way to gift him, to worship him. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, you're so faithful. Thank you. Here's what God wants. He doesn't want your performance. He wants your presence, just like Kathy said. He's not looking for your perfection. He's looking for your presence. Here's how he gets my presence. Lord, thank you. My heart is turned and my affection is turned on him, toward him. You get my affection today, Lord. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. You are worthy of my trust, Lord. Look what you just did. They didn't forget to thank him. And because of that, the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. Your battle is never just about you, ever, ever. You are part of this kingdom work that God is doing. You are one piece of the puzzle, but your piece matters and it impacts all the other pieces. And I don't say that to add pressure. I say that to bolster us. We are part of a great work that God is doing. And when he does a great work in my life, it impacts those around me. And here's the thing, women and other men and other women and other children are watching your life, they're watching your family's life, and far be it for any of us to feel the pressure to go, okay, we got to have it all together. But let them see God do a work in your life that starts by being open, authentic, vulnerable. Let them see God at work. And then when God comes through and delivers you, they're going to go, I want to know that God. I, I don't know who it is. But I want to know that God. I remember when I was in the corporate world, I went to a monthly well woman check and they found a lump in my left breast and I had to have it biopsied and it just got worse and worse and they thought it was cancerous and they removed it and it was benign and it was okay. But through that season, I was sitting at this desk in the corporate, my office and we had a temp working for us and she had just started and she was only there for like a month. And I remember at the end, I wasn't really talking to her and we talked a little bit. I had no idea she was watching this whole thing unfold. And at the end, she was leaving and she said, this is why I've been here. Because I just, I just watched you go through that. And she said, I've never seen peace on someone like that. I want to know how you got that. And I was able to share the Lord with her. It's never just about me. It's never just about you. Don't hide your faith. Don't hide what God's doing in your life. Don't hide your weaknesses. Let God shine through all of that. So the fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding areas. And then in verse 30, as we end, it says, And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. For his God had given him rest on every side. What did he do? He just said yes. He just said yes to the next thing in front of him. He resolved to seek the Lord. He had the courage to do that. He waited for God to bring clarity through his presence God did that, and then he obeyed with confidence. I can step out and do what he's asked me to do because he's already told me he's with me. And then God got all the glory, and Jehoshaphat got all the blessing. 
That's how it works. Faith is simple. Everything else is complicated. Faith is simple. Trust and obey for there's no, come on, we're good Baptists, right? Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but trust and obey. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We love you. And we're so grateful for your faithfulness in our lives. And I'm just asking today, Lord, for any of us in the room that are in the middle of a difficult season that feels somewhat like a battle, Lord, I just ask, Jesus, that you would use this weekend to speak, to breathe uh, new life into our breath, into our lungs, Lord. That we could take a deep breath knowing, oh, wait a second. I need only be still and wait and see the deliverance of the Lord. We love you. We pray that our worship today brings you joy. In Jesus' name, amen.